Hi everyone and welcome to the second part of the Wayne McCulloch podcast. So last time we focused on the amateur career and just the start of his pro career. This second part we're going to now focus on the world title fights, starting with him travelling to Japan to challenge for the WBC title and then all the way through to fighting some of the greats like Zaragoza, Prince Nassim Hamed and Eric Morales. Hope you all enjoy. So yeah, so Wayne, if we just talk about the opportunity then for your first world title, that came in July 1985. And you were going to have to travel to Japan, which was a massive thing, obviously, because you were going to be facing the reigning champion, uh, uh, Yakasuji. Hope you've pronounced that right. That was, that was okay. I was I've been nervous about pronouncing that all day. The And he was making his fifth defense of the title. So, you know, yeah. maybe going to be the underdog for this. Tell me a little bit about your mindset going into it and then the fight itself. Well, the, the, the Japan fight, the World Championship fight for me was, you know, before beforehand, of course, I wanted to fight for the world championship in my own backyard in Belfast. That was a whole game plan. And I went to purse bids. And in the purse bids, they, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I'm about the purse bids. Their bid is like some like millions upon millions. And right. I would get, a, I think I got like, a, I get like a third of the, of the purse and he gets the other two thirds, which I got over half a million dollars back then, which is unbelievable. Amazing. You know what I mean? So, but to say, they want if I was then brought to Japan and and say no, 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 I didn't know at that time. I know fighter from Britain or Ireland ever went to Japan and won a world title, right? Um, they weren't successful. I did, I actually did, I didn't know until years after I won, actually. But I knew the, the, the plan Eddie Fudge had for me before we left here, different training camp. You know, we, we worked on different things, and you know, whatever he told me to do in the gym, I did it, and then when it came to the fight. I didn't worry about um, what I needed to do. He just said, okay, what we did in the gym, you're going to do that, you're going to do that. And what I did in the gym, I just did what I automatically did there. Yeah. I didn't say, oh, I can't, I can't do that because I knew the faith he had in me and the faith I had in him. And say, going to Japan, I, I was a big underdog and nobody gave me a chance at all. And the American people, the Americans actually had me slight favorite, but okay. the Arab British and the rest of the world had me the big massive underdog. And if I was a bad man, I would have myself. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Got a good odds. But the same, we went to Japan and uh, they, they looked after me in Japan. The people were good. They were nice to me. Hotel, we were instead in the, the Nagoya Hilton. That was his home city, Nagoya. We stayed in the Hilton Hotel and they, that was top class. We, 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 we stopped off. We had training camp here, went to Utah. A couple of weeks high altitude, and then and then we went there. We spent a week in Hawaii, wow. and my sparring partners were enjoying that. But I was just making weight and stuff, all of my weight. But all business. I mean, we were going to go to Japan for two weeks, but we decided to go for one week just in case. We didn't know the way we were going to be treated. You know, I mean, with the food and stuff, and you know, somebody messed with your food or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when we got to Japan, say the hotel we stayed in was was top class. I remember the first day I'm down to get breakfast. You know, we order this, this, and the other. And the next day we went down, they actually had the stuff already out for you, which you ordered the day before. Oh, brilliant. So they looked after that way. And then the funny when we were ordering our meals, the funny thing, we ordered meals, somebody would order somebody would order my dinner and I would order theirs. Just we were we were worried about getting food poison or something. Yeah. Somebody tried. So, so we did that, but we realized that the hotel, they were top class and they looked after me. And I say, I was in I was in the city of Nagoya, as I say, and 
I can't complain about that. It was everything was everything was perfect. You know, everything was working perfectly. From the training camp we had in Vegas for like three weeks, three weeks in Utah, one week in Hawaii, then one week in, in Japan. Everything was perfect. We peaked at the right time, and um, it was just all down to the, the game plan for, that he had for me. Yeah. And I remember going to Japan. They wanted me to spar, and I didn't want me to spar because it's ready. It's a week of the fight. You don't spar yeah. a week of the fight. Yeah, but don't they, want to, they, they wanted to see me, see what it was like. So we, they put me in with a, some um, Japanese guy, and he was going on it. He was trying to work my head off. <laughs> right. But I actually went in there and I stopped him. Oh, really? I was peaked. I, mean, I didn't go really hard on him. Just sort of, he, he's trying to show me something. I'm like, okay, I'll put your back in your face. And I did that. But the one thing about Japan is when I just got there, when I left Hawaii, my, my, my weight was... It was eight stone, eight stone six is a, is a professional mark. 100, that's 118 pounds over here. Yeah. Or like 40, with 53 and a half kilograms. But when I got to Hawaii or to Japan, I went first day of working out that morning, came back, get on the scales, and I was five pounds over. Five pounds over, right? Go on. Panning, but I left Hawaii, bang on the weight. And I'm on the flight. All I have is fruit, loads of fruit. Maybe the water, held the water. Everything in it. <clears throat> yeah. But everybody started panicking around me. My, my manager, Matt Tenley, was like, okay, let's get a diuretic back to this. I'm like, no. Don't get more, don't get many more bread. I'm like, I love bread. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember getting my, come back from the run. It was warm out there. It was probably, probably about in the 30s. I mean, humid, more humidity. Yeah. And we used to go out running about six in the morning, which was a bit cooler. But I got my stuff, came back in the room, got my stuff back on, went back out again running on my own. And I wasn't supposed to go on my own because we had a guy there that had a little briefcase. He came out with me every morning. And I know it was in that briefcase. But All right. I was never told, but he's going to be a small guy. Right. And when, I went, when I went back out on my run that day, that, that day when I came back, he's like, you cannot go on your own. You cannot go out on your own. He was your protection? <laughs> I'm from Belfast, right? No, they forgot I'm from Belfast. Yeah. But, and I say the next day, he used to go out. He went running with, he didn't run with me. He stood, I ran around his park, ran a couple laps. He would stand there and smoke. And, was, and he had like a suit on the first day. The second day, he had like a first shorts on t shirt with his briefcase. Right. Okay. He stand there smoking and he did that every day. So I know, I know what they were protecting me just in case something happened. Yeah. But as I say, I, my weight came back after that run and I was down to about, Eight stone six is the limit for, for professional bantamweight. And I would come back with about eight stone 11 or 12. So that's three or four pounds. I thought, no problem. You know, I got, the, got a pound and a half off there. And within within a day, like, like 36 hours, I was buying on the weight again. Right, brilliant. Without, I did everything the right way. I didn't, I didn't take any diuretics or anything. I didn't no. take a weak body on me. I was strong. Being in that water, and it just came yeah, out of you. Hawaii, Hawaii. So I knew if I'm on the weight, you know, it's just a false weight when you're traveling. Yeah. And I get back in 48, like 36 to 48 hours. Yeah. I was back. I was strong, and I see everybody panicked around me. Yeah. Like no, Eddie didn't panic. Eddie didn't. He was fine. And I, I see within that we got the. I think we got the um, Japan on Monday. And by Wednesday morning, I was bang on the way because the fight wasn't until Sunday afternoon, actually. Oh, right. Okay. So on the night of the fight, you were 
very confident that you were peaking physically at least? Yeah, because we had we had the weigh-ins on the on the Saturday. Because the fight was going, the fight was weird. The fight was going to be on the Sunday about one or two o'clock in the afternoon. It was weird. Oh right, that, okay. Planets or sports there or something like that. I don't I don't really want to fight on Sundays either. It's just always a religious day, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was I don't think God's going to punish me for for no another uh, workshop. You made me want to watch the day. You know what I mean? But as I say, the way I got on the scales and I was like. I went eight stone five and three quarters or something like that. And then Yakishiji gets some of the big pair of shorts on it's on the scale and goes, Oh, he said the first time he said, Oh crap, or something like that. I'm like, that's the first time I heard him speak English. Right. Jumps off. He's like, I think he was like three pounds over or something. Right, okay. But it was all a ploy. And while while he's while he's when I'm sitting there eating my chicken and drinking stuff and doing this. So we came back about 15 minutes later, jumps on the scale with the shorts off. And a pair of like underwear, and he's he's like a quarter of a pound under. So I'm right. thinking, just trying to think. yeah. but by the, point, by the time he weighed, he was under the weight. That was about two pounds over weight. Right, <laughs> but you'd already weighed in at least. I weighed in. I was ready. I was ready. Like I already am. Bar balloon. Bar, yeah, water over my system, so it was fine. But we knew that a lot. Was we just stayed calm, and then the next day was the, the world title fight, and and going into the arena was. It was it was hard because it was only about ten thousand Japanese fans. Yeah, it was packed. I watched but, it recently. But there was a bunch of about ten Irish guys turned up. Oh, was there? Yeah. <laughs> Rob was everywhere. And I'm like, well, of course, if you, if you have two Irish men, you can hear them. Yeah. <laughs> and the state, it was the, the Japanese fans are really quiet. They're really they're, they're respectful and quiet. And the same when I turned the we walked into they had like a big massive screen. I walked into the U2's mysterious ways. Right. And had like big video and stuff it was unbelievable and that's back then 20 20 years ago and and he walks into like um i forget what it was it's all right all right whatever that song is yeah. <laughs> he started dancing and stuff and i'm just waiting for him and it was fun and then i say when that bell went then it was all done to business yeah and it was a great fight i mean the i suppose for you was the game plan he was he was quite rangy he was taller than you but you seemed to work the body really well when i watched it and your job you were sort of you're mixing the job up really well body and head and stuff and obviously your work rate we talked about that you know uh, previously was it just to stay on him and just not really give him a, a second it was it was to stay it was to stay on him but eddie had perfected jab at angles yeah you know jab so it took Take the jab away because he, he was more like straight down the middle, like good fast jab and one two and stuff. But then he had me bump bump underneath, and then, then I get inside the body, and I, I remember getting close to him maybe in the second round, and I remember hitting a body shot, and, and he groaned, and I'm thinking, this can't be this easy, you know what I mean? Yeah. I hit him like, Ugh! and I'm like, and he wasn't because he came straight back, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I I I did hurt him a few times. You know, he never like wallowing, but he was he was hurt. I had him like a bone and a loop and right one time. But the body shots were hurting the most, and people don't really get to, to see that or hear that. We hear yeah. and the five two five in the ring would hear the, the emotions. Even the microphone doesn't pick it up. Yeah. You hit a guy again, they go, Ugh! it's like a real, real movie, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. But but he, as I say, after the 10 rounds, the jab, I was out, out jabbing. I was out jabbing the jabber. Yeah. And and by 10 rounds, I I thought I had eight rounds in the bank, you know what I mean? He had the two at least. And of course, he came on strong. The last two rounds were still, they were close rounds, but I still, I, I moved a little bit, started to box a yeah, little you bit. You had to fight one, so you were just, you were being, yeah. you know, safe. I still, I still, it was level rounds, and I say, 
and I, I, the bell rang, I fell down my knees and just said, Thank God. And, and I believed I, I was going to make a decision. When you heard yeah. split decision, I mean, or could you even make that out? Because obviously, Japanese and stuff, were you looking around thinking, right, what's happening here when they're reading out the scores? Were you thinking, God, is this going to be a robbery? Or? I was, because if you see me, if you see the, the final when they're, they're announcing the winner, you know, I was standing and say, Ba ba ba, Makala. So, first judge for me. And at that point, I didn't know what it was split decision or not. I didn't okay. because I couldn't understand anything. And then, Yakushiji, and I'm like, you see me only like this. Yeah. No way. And then I was like, no way. And I carried my hand. I'm like, no way. I was thinking in my mind, you know, I, I fell short of the Olympic gold. I'm thinking, can't take this away from me. And yeah. nobody knew. It wasn't like somebody knew I was going to win. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then, Makala, and then the whole, your yes. whole, your whole world changes, don't we? No, it's amazing. And then you see everybody's around me, and I went over and, you know, I grabbed, I thanked my manager, and then my two coaches, I kissed both of them on the head, and then my wife, and I threw her up in the ring. Yeah, and getting that, that green and gold belt, that must have been an amazing feeling. You know, as you said previously, something that you'd always wanted, you know, uh, seeing all those great champions have, that must have been an amazing uh, feeling to get it. It was, but as I say, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting any of the belts. I fought for the WBO belt a couple of times, but it was my dream as a kid. And, and so if you dream things, you know, sometimes you can achieve, not all the time, but if you have a dream in your head and you're mentally strong and you work hard towards it, I believe you might get it. You know, you're not 100% get it, you might get it. Yeah. And my dream, I say as a 15-year-old of my friends, you know, the hard work they see me doing, I, I was like, I want, I want to win a world title. I want to double points. See, I'll leave on the wall here. He had the green and gold belt, and you know, modern day, you, know, you have seen Mike Tyson he had the green and gold belt, and then today you have the likes of Floyd Mayweather had the belt, green and gold. Yeah, yeah. They always favorite. always favorite that belt, and I think it's the most prestigious one of them all. Yeah. And I say I'm not, I'm not disrespecting other belts. I've fought for the other belts. And they say, but it's just it's just a, a dream I had to want that belt, and, and I became the first Irish Irish person to win it, and still the only Irish male. Yeah, Katie so, Taylor's the only other person apart from yourself. So it just shows you how difficult it is to win these things, you know. It's a difficult, difficult belt, and I say, you know, for men it's a lot, and that sounds a lot harder. I'm gonna say, my wife is no, no. my no, wife more boxers than the men, yeah. No, my wife would, my wife would, she's only she can go out and say if she can go out and say. It's a bit easier for women because there's not as many women. Yeah. If I said that, I'd then say I'm, I'm being just. No, I think people would understand what you mean by that. No, but I'm, I love Katie Taylor. Oh, amazing. Already, I've said Katie Taylor's the best Irish fighter ever, and people disagree yeah. with me. But I'm like, what she's done in such a short period of time. Yeah. And and I say I'll say it, you know, maybe I'll get to work with her. I tried to, I told her manager to let me teach her defense. Yeah, you never know. Haven't get back to me so. Well, here, hopefully to do at some stage. But one thing I want to ask you about the, the fight at the end of it, because it was curious when I watched it recently, they give you probably the biggest trophy I think I've ever seen a boxer get. It was absolutely enormous. Um, I mean, were, five, five. five different trophies. I mean, were you able to get them back? Five all that size. Get, but they, I think they keep one for a display over there. That must be a Japanese culture thing, you know. Yeah, no, somewhere i think they've kept two of them for display with the name on it but i we had to ship we had to ship the five of them the other three home i was about to say you couldn't get that in your hand I've, I've got two in my in my in my living room with her and i gave one to my my doctor who's in the 
is in the ring now. I, I gave one to him. Oh, brilliant. Very good. Excellent. And I give my World Championship shorts to my brother. Oh, so, amazing. No, that's fantastic. One of the, the glove, my, man, my old manager who, who screwed me over, he's got one of the gloves. I, I've got the other glove. At least you kept one. That was good. You kept one at least. So yeah. listen, after you um, won the world title, um, looking obviously at your record then, I'm assuming the coming home to Ireland was a big thing you wanted to do as champion. You wanted your home fans to be able to see you. So is that what the, the thinking was at the time? It was because, say, because I couldn't get the world championship in, in Belfast, my, my first and second defences want to be in Ireland. Yeah. North and South, Belfast, because my home city was there, and Dublin, because I spent most of my amateur career in Dublin. So that's what I wanted to do, to thank the fans for that, and, and say I did that. I got the fight in Belfast, Dublin, said the, at the beginning of my career in smaller fights. But I just wanted to defend my belt in my home city, because I yeah. couldn't get the fight the belt there. And then, of course, Dublin is like my another second home, no mean. Yeah. So... I promised the fans that, and I, I did lose a lot of money by doing that. I could have fought here and got, got a lot more money, but I was still getting paid decent money. And and for me, it was more pride for my country than it was about the money. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to do that for the because the fans had followed me from the Olympics right through, come up games, everything, and I just wanted to show them that I haven't forgot about them. Yeah. And you fought a you fought an undefeated guy in your first defense. I mean, twenty seven to zero. Um, you know, at the was it the King's Hall? I mean, that for first defense was that a mandatory? Did they put a mandatory on you straight away, or was that a voluntary? Because that's a tough one on paper, anyway. No, well, it wasn't mandatory because, but he was a top one of the top guys. He was twenty seven yeah. former WBO super flyweight champion, and then um, he went on to after he fought me. He had one. He only had one other loss against Paul Ayala. Oh, and he got robbed that night. Oh, I really? Okay. I told, I told him his manager that they get he just get robbed. And then after that, I even on won the WBA belt and defended a couple of times and retired with only them two losses. So that, that actually got better over the years. Yeah, but say he was the most disrespectful person to me. Johnny Before Rodolfo, the fight. Oh, he was dear lord, he was so horrible. Oh, really? He's, okay. The press got ripped the ripped my picture in half. Okay, right. Um, and I'm not never angry towards people, but I think he was trying to get under my skin a little bit. But he was tall. He was actually about five nine, like five. But he was pretty tall. But he was a he wasn't a puncher, but he was a mover. You know, he, he was moved that night. He was on the back foot a lot. You had to chase him. But he could move and he could stick a jab out and score on a man. And I see, I had blisters, I had blisters on my feet, just like the hammer. I had blisters, chin yeah. trees up. But he he was actually slick in what he did, and he was tricky. His brother Jimmy Bertol actually fought Oscar De La Hoya over here. Okay, well, he's a former champion too. But I say, there no because he's got a small knocker percentage doesn't mean he can't fight because you win fights by hitting people as much as you can. I mean by scoring. Yeah, and he he, he did that twenty six and zero. You know who does that in first defense? No, fantastic, and that was a good that was a stoppage win as well. So that led you on to then fighting Bueno, uh, which because was it was, because yeah because he was so nasty to me in the in the, the press camera and stuff and and the fight when the referee stopped the fight I was I was. I was annoyed because I, I wanted to knock him out cold. And yeah. you see me enter afterwards. I said I just I wanted to knock him out cold because he made me he made me mad. And the referee told him twice in that fight to start fighting because he kept yeah. going. He, he complained. He complained about the stoppage, but he didn't throw a punch for about 10 punches, and then he stopped him at and I was like this here, and, and the referee was like this, and he was like, I and he, I talked to Bertal in the ring. I said, Why did he not fight back? And he's like, Oh, I wanted to go the distance. Oh, for God's sake. I said the referee wanted to try to win. It's yeah, a word. Really? To, I'll fight. He wanted. He wanted just for the distance, and 
on the official scorecards, although other other commentators said different, I was I want to be wrong. Yeah. So then, you know I mean? no complaints. Yeah, I want to be wrong, but somebody said I was I lost two rounds. I'm like, where? Where was the two rounds I lost? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Jenny, Jenny, but all say I got to meet him over here, and we were we're real okay about things and stuff. But he he was a tough opponent, and he went on to become a world champion, retired world champion, and. I was in Denmark about 10 years ago, one of my fighters, and I, I trained in his gym with his coach. And I said, I would like to meet him. And he said, he'd lost his mind. Oh, really? Oh, that's sad, right? So, I couldn't even meet up with him. He'd lost his mind. He's totally oh, God, right? That's sad. And so, yeah. was say that was my first defense, and I was happy to do it in Belfast and happy to hold on to my belt. Your first, everybody always says that world champion is the first defense or hardest because you don't want to lose your belt the first time. No. You've got a target in your back now, yeah. It's you yeah. to something to protect. Yeah, you're you're trying to get you're the, you're trying to get the get the champion to beat him, and then you when you become champion, then as you say, you're the target. Yeah. Everybody will do anything possible to, to win, but I say my next fight was against um, Jose Luis Bueno in Dublin. That was a tough fight. We and I watched that recently too, mate. I've watched a lot of your fights recently, but that one was a real. The funny thing, night. he's my friend. We talk to each other on WhatsApp and stuff. Brilliant. But that night we're just. He, he was a former champion too, WBC champion, but he, he had more knockouts in the dragon than I had fights. Right. At that point, back then, he had my, my I was 18 now, 14 knockouts, and then um, he had like 27 knockouts of them. Right. <laughs> more knockouts than I had fights. I know he was a puncher, but I, I was, I'm not making excuses. I didn't make excuses then, but I did, I put it in my book, but I was murdered. I didn't know how to make a weight probably. Right. Back then, I did starve yourself. Starve yourself, just put a sauna suit on, train, 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 and dehydrate, and don't put down the cushion lift like this. Yeah. But nobody knew how to do it. And I know how to do it now, but but I, I went in that fight dehydrated, killed myself making the weight. I put on, I went from, I went in, it's, I, I trained three times a day to weigh in without putting anything across my lips. And then my wife seen me in the, rent my, in the room we were staying, we stayed in the Lotus Town Castle, actually. And I'm jumping rope like this here, and like shadow boxing like this, totally. Listless, no. and then when I go to the weigh in, you weigh in a quarter of a pound under, and everybody thinks you're okay. Yeah, they don't see what you're I, doing behind the scenes. I had to land bed for about three hours before the weigh in. I couldn't even look at water, I wanted to jump in and drink it all. I couldn't even, I was walking like this here, like this, yeah, like I'm 90 years old. And then you know, everybody sees you weighing, oh, he's comfortable. I'm like, yeah. I went from I put on 15 pounds overnight, okay. Which like is maybe, too, maybe too much, you know, it's probably not what you it needed. It was false weight because I was yeah. still dehydrated. Stepping in the ring, I was still dehydrated. And I say I was trying to put the right stuff in, like like brought chicken, eating chicken breast and liquid and pedalate water and stuff like that. And it still wasn't enough. It was just, it was wrong and how I did the weight. Nobody around me at that point didn't know how to do it. I yeah. say I know how to weight now without killing yourself. But I went into that fight and I say, after two rounds, I sat in the stool and I said, I, I remember saying, I said, God, get me through this. I really don't remember anything. I don't yeah. remember anything the second round until the next day. That's amazing, man. Because when I, I watched it, I mean, you're still, your fitness, it looks, as I say, you're saying this on the outside, you're looking at it and you just look super fit still. It was a very tough fight. You can see it the whole way through, but you're still coming forward in the last round. And yeah, I, still, I, still, I still thought I won the fight. Eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three. I thought it was comfortable. Uh, not comfortable, you know what I mean? But yeah. I thought I was in the fight. 
It's just because the way my my face swollen up. You see my face just swollen up badly. Yeah, I remember just, I read your book and I remember there was a picture um, in your book. Yeah. It might have been the next day or that night. And I remember when yeah. I seen the picture in your book, it was, it was like, weird. Wow. It was like, every time he hit me, it was like somebody sticking a knife in you. Yeah. It was weird. I'm not saying I was hanging around with love, but you always hear these things about stuff and being too good with love. It was weird. I'm not going to say he's my good friend. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, but it just, yeah, it felt different. But maybe it was because my resistance was so low. Yeah. You know, my, my body was depleted. And because and I had, my lip in here was like sliced open, you know, all yeah. like this. And I remember doing the, I don't remember doing the interview. I remember looking at the interview afterwards with an hotel saying to me, you know, what's next? He said, a good long rest. Or a good yeah. long rest. Because my face was swollen up and I'd say, like, I don't remember anything, but that was the night the Bano and Larry, mom and you two guys were all there and, and they, they came into my dress room and this, I'm, I'm good friends with them as I, but then, I was a fan. I walked into the music, and he walked. He came into my dressing room and, and sat down for like twenty minutes. Charles said, talked to me, held my hand, and see, told me how tough I was. Right. And then he gave me his sunglasses, and and I don't remember him. I'm, I told, I've told him since. I said I didn't remember anything from the really? exact next day. It must have been like a concussion, just on autopilot, which is amazing. What about? I say I went to the hospital in Dublin, but they released me. It wasn't like they kept me overnight. They released me. And then I went back. Charles said we went back to the to extend the castle, and there was a party. But I didn't. I think she said I, she just got out of bed. I mean, I yeah. said I did. I said she said I stood there and thanked people. I don't remember. No. They're all coming to the party, and I they could see I was in bits. I mean, yeah. But I take it that was a big reason then why you moved up after that the super bantam weight, you know, and you were then going to move up and challenge for a world title at a higher weight. It was, but, but I shouldn't have. You know what I mean? At that point, it was because I had a fight scheduled for um, June. Oscar De La Hoya, who there was Chavez, was fighting in June in, um, in Las Vegas outdoors. going to be outdoors like in June. Right. But I was used, pretty used to the weather here. I mean, but I was fighting a guy from Italy. And I'm not saying it would have been an easy fight. It would have been an easier fight than Bueno. Yeah. But I burst my eardrum in the Bueno fight as well. My eardrum okay. burst. And it, it took like six weeks for that to fully heal. And I missed the opportunity to be on a big, massive card like Delahoy. And yeah, it would have been amazing. I was a coming event. But yeah. say, I fought, I moved up and fought in July and stayed up in Denver, Colorado. I, I fought a featherweight, one, or nine stone that time. Mm -hmm. I fought a 10 rounder against a tough Mexican and I got 10 good rounds in, which was good. I want to be wrong. Yeah. And, but the funny thing about that fight is it's a good story because. Me and my wife were here. We had a visa. She had no. She had a visa, but no working visa. Mm -hmm. Sorry, no work. I had a working visa, and then we applied for green cards, and um, couldn't get them. Really? Okay. Bought, bought, bought a home here. Paying, I paid at that point when I won the world title. I probably paid about two or three hundred thousand dollars in taxes. So the government, so I'm giving to the government, and that goes towards that goes towards a pension as well. You know. Yeah. But. I had paperwork like this, a lawyer and everything, and they, and they weren't going to give me a green card. I'm thinking, I own, I own property here. They, they, you know, I'm paying my taxes, but they're going to kick me out. Right, God, I'm sure that was a stressful time. I, I did everything legal, and then, and then that when the, in June of 96 was when my, my visa was running out. And we were, we were scheduled to go home the next week or something. Because I, I had to go, I would have got a visa, no problem, because I'm still, I'm still active. But 
the fight was here. The fight here was on CBS television. They hadn't. It's like a local channel, but they hadn't shown fights on it for like ten years. But they showed my fight on it right before like something like a big horse racing derby or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And on Monday morning, we got a call from immigration, and they said, "I, I, I thought I thought somebody was trying to to mess with me on the phone." I'm thinking. Not real. So, no, you need to come down Monday. We're, we're going to give you your green card because we've seen you fight on CBS the other day and they talk so highly about you. I'm like, really? Wow. I, 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 it sounds like a joke. It sounds like an Irish man telling jokes. But we went down to the immigration on the Monday, whatever it was, walked in. And usually you have all these different interviews and stuff like that. But we had so much paperwork in the process of years, like three years of it. I walked straight in and I'm like, what? We sat down and waiting for the Integrant, like I said, so we're going to give you the green card for you and your wife. She's going to want to like, okay, thank you. And I said to him, talk about the fight. I said, anytime you need to take for a fight, it's like, sorry, I can't, I can't accept it. Take it for your fight. It's like bravery, you know what I mean? Oh, really? Okay, right. Accept it, and I'm like, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad I'm, I'm big relief. Permanent, permanent resident here. Oh, great. And that's how. Good story, right? No, no, exactly. Just so thank God that was on TV and whoever was watching it was there. Because I'd have been still getting a visa now, I'm an American citizen, but there you go. But just at that point, I'm like, has it been serious? They're going to take my tax money, like a couple hundred grand. Yeah. And I was towards a pension. So, what are they going to do with the money? Just dump it. Yeah, you're not going to get it back, are you? No, you never get it back. But the government always does that, doesn't it? That's it. So, listen, let's get to the, the Daniel Zaragoza fight because unbelievable fight um this is you obviously going to become a two-weight world champion um i think was am i right in thinking was daniel zaragoza maybe 37 38 but he was, he was, 30, I mean, 30, he was 37 I think, 37 yeah so i mean uh fight of the year he was a legend he's a two-time world champion two-time world champion before that you know he's, he was champion again and it is nothing to say but say bernard hadden was 51 years old and still defending right. stuff it doesn't matter. George Foreman, 45, and he won the heavyweight championship. Yeah. I say, but I say, going into that fight, I hadn't, I didn't vacate my belt until the bell rang. Okay, is that, yeah, of course, officially then, I you haven't moved up until then? My belt, he had his belt, because there's a post over here, the post up here called Real War, two champions, one title. We're fighting for his. As I say, to this, to the day Eddie died, he thought I won the fight. Yeah. I think a lot of people thought you won the fight. It was, I, it was close. Fight, but I thought I won the fight, but if you, one judge gave it to me, the, the guy Barbara Perez, and her, her husband was the referee, and I, I think I've told you before, the ref, he, told, he, he rode the bus back to the hotel and thought I won the fight. And he's right. got the closest view. He's got the closest view, and he's no investment in either one of us. Yeah. And so I gave it to me, he gave it, he thought I won. But two of the judges, the funny thing about that, it's crazy. Two judges, I won the last two rounds by a landslide. I ran for him. Yeah, you did. You but were keeping very strong. Them two judges had me six points behind in the last round. It's crazy. Well, no, that's not, that wasn't the, the, the that's way the So the first, the first 10 rounds, he won eight rounds to two on their cards. You know, so I, sorry, even somebody who can't see, you be able to see if you're wrong. Yeah. Could have been 4 4 or something like that, I mean. And then you had the strong but, finish. So, yeah, you, you feel as though you. I always have the strong finish, like my fitness. Yeah, and as I say, I, can, I still can't understand how they can have it. That's why hmm. like I don't. Then the two judges, the one judge, I say she gave it to me. It won't be the first but, time we and we're going to talk about judges and no, quite a few of your fights, you know. But that one, 
I mean, I would have fight with I'm standing around and all of a sudden spit saving again. I'm thinking, and Eddie Fudge, for the day he died, said I want to fight. And I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm going to listen to him. Well, that's good. Is Eddie yeah. tell the truth? If he lost a fight, he would, he would say it. But that was my first, my first loss, my last fight with Eddie, because Eddie was at the point he was, he was getting older and he sort of, yeah, you know, Rico had lost his belt and stuff. So that was more or less it. But as I always say, we get the WBC fight of the year. If you get a fight of the year candidate, there's not a rematch order. Yeah, you, usually that would be what happens. That will end up probably fighting a trilogy because next time I'm going to make sure I'm going. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it was maybe his last hurrah, I mean, and then we would have fought a third fight. But I never get that opportunity. And I think it's probably the first time ever the fight of the year he didn't get a rematch. Yeah, that's a shame. It never happened, I suppose. Yeah. But now, he went on to fight a Japanese guy and beat him. And then he fought Mar- he fought Eric Morales. Right. And he watched his fight with Eric Morales. I haven't seen that now. I'll have to watch that. On the scorecards until he gets stopped. He gets stopped with this. Morales hit him out the, the, the body shot bump, the guy. And you see Zadar go sitting down the canvas and looked over at Morales and just finally got to him as if to say, I'm passing the baton over to you. He right, could have okay. got up, but he was ahead in the scorecards. Right. He was, okay. ahead, he was ahead in the scorecards against a 22 year old Morales. Wow. So we had something to do with it. No. It was just a, I say he's a, a legend too, and I say we, I got him to sign the gloves that we actually fought in, are signed by me, and I got him to sign them as well. Fantastic! I got some collection you've got there. So there's, if anybody has a glove, it's just a regular glove you buy at the store and you sign it. But I've got the Morales gloves, the M ones, Ahmed ones, Oscar Larius ones, and I'm trying to get the Scott Harrison ones signed by him as well. So they're, they're actually the fight club we actually fought in. Yeah, that's history. That's history right there. And it's why you're the one that you should have them. Yeah. So that's great. And so listen, after the Zaragoza defeat then, um, this is sort of now into 1987, because um, obviously I know we have so much to get through. Uh, you then had a couple of fights, I think. And then in 1988, the next um, world title fight you were going to have was going to be against Prince Nassim Hamid. Now, I recently watched um, on your YouTube channel, actually, the uh, wee documentary. Um, what was it? The, the, uh, Prince, in the Prince, Prince in the Pocket. And I swear to God, watching it, it's amazing because he was so arrogant. He was, you know, three rounds, he was going to walk through you, being so disrespectful. And I love watching just how composed and confident you are and knowing what way the fight went. Just, you know, you just weren't buying into any of it at all. But, you know, how was that leading up to it, just the way he was getting on? Let's say after, after the after Zagreb, the fight, I had a broken jaw. Oh, right, okay. Five, about five weeks later, I had a broken jaw. You know, I went to the dentist, I had something like here with like sore. And you have to, usually after a fight, you chew and your jaws are a bit sore, but it's normal. And then I go to the dentist, so you've got a, you're, You've got a broken jaw and they're too wisdom tater. Did you put light? I'm like, uh oh. So I got my jaw wire shut. I couldn't, I was like, this year talking. Oh, and I couldn't, eat food. I couldn't eat solid food for like six weeks. So, of course, that drops. Your weight just falls off. But I was saying, this, I got fine. I was waiting on the rematch. I thought it was going to the rematch. Didn't happen. And I set it from January right through till March of the of the following year, 1998. And I had a, a, a two fights back to back. Two wins against it was actually a featherweight, and then the, I fought a guy called um, Perez, and I struggled with him because my manager at the time was I found out he was screwing me over. Didn't turn up for my first fight ever, and I'm fighting a 
a former world champion who knew he was fighting me three months before the fight. I found it the week before. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I went into and I, I it was ten rounds. I won. They gave me a split decision, of course. I'm good. You see, split decision. Yeah. But I won. went your way for change. And Hamed had knocked this guy in two rounds. Oh, so he was very confident then, thinking about so that. The Monday morning after the fight on the on the Friday, the Tuesday, I was checking Tuesday in the month on the Thursday morning thing. Was, call came through. Joe walks in the bedroom and Ben's like, "Do you want to do you want the Hamed fight?" I'm like, "Yes." She knew I always wanted it. Didn't talk about my money or anything. And I the fight was made. Right. And so. And Ahmed fought my undercard in Dublin in 93. 93 he fought in the undercard. 96 he fought in Dublin. And um, I forgot to mind the Medina. And I flew over to confront him because he said something about my wife and started me fighting him. So I confronted okay. him on that and at the at the point depot. And the crowd started singing my name all right through the fight. He looked like crap. Brilliant. <laughs> but I knew I knew he wasn't gonna fight me, he really didn't. I knew he'd never gonna fight me from a 90s right through 96. And then I was I was bound to be a champion, the, and he was featherweight. And, and then when he fought in Dublin, he had posters around Dublin saying, "Forget about McCulloch, come see the prince." What would you do that for? Yeah, he's obviously I thinking about you if you're doing that. apart. So I say I moved up and fought them two fights, and then we went to New York for a press conference about two months before the fight, up and then and for HBO because he was the HBO had signed him. The fight was on HBO. Okay. Down there, about me, he's talking about how he's going to beat me up and do this, and beat me like your daddy. I'm like, I, wouldn't, I said, you would be a very nice daddy. And then um, spend spend the money wisely. It's the biggest pity of your life. I said, it's actually not. It's the third biggest pity. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm back in the Irish. Don't we be Irish? We can just, oh, are you quick with the wit? We can joke about ourselves. And, we, and I was doing that, and the media was all suckered into it. And, and they believed that um, he was on that ground in the third round. And I'm like, I've never even been. Dazed, never even wobbled, and you guys are believing this. I know, but you've never hit by a featherweight. I said, Yes, I have. Yeah. I fought Benishu, who was a featherweight. I fought them two fights back to back, and he hits like a heavyweight. I said, If he hit like a heavyweight anytime he hit somebody, he'd kill him. Yeah. Our weight he, class, had, I mean, he, he had 18 knockouts in a row, Wayne, hadn't he? I mean, that's like, you know, at the championship level, too. I know. But hand picked. And that disrespect me all, all of his points, but he. It was perfect timing by Frank Warren. Yeah. But they get the right guys. They thought and they thought I was the right time. Yeah. But because I looked like crap in that one fight. Mm -hmm. I did look like crap, but I still won. They thought he's done. And that's why I got the offer. There's no other reason. That's why I got the offer. He would never fought me. Okay. And to say when I got the offer to fight out of the motivation that on a high, I mean, the two fights I had back to back. My manager was screwing me over. My mind wasn't in it. I was going through the motions. And that was a blessing for to get that fight with me. Yeah. And to say the fight was made and it was Atlantic City, Boardwalk Casino, Atlantic City, which is a, you know, you don't fight an Irish man on the East Coast. No. A Halloween night as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Anybody I remember was... watching it. I remember watching it Halloween night back home in the early hours. My dad let me stay up. It was brilliant because the boardwalk was sort of like English people on the boardwalk. I stayed, we stayed in a different hotel. We stayed in the, I think it was, Tropicana Hotel, they looked after me because his hotel there was a bunch, they're all running around and my my time for the training I'm down and they're all standing there watching and stuff. I'm like, I did all my training in my room. You seen have you seen it? I've seen it, yeah. Give me a big suite. Come on, who gets that's my first time I got a big suite. Yeah, loads of room. And like a big football pitch. <laughs> and my training's done, my sparring's done. All they need to do is shut a box, jump rope, and hit the mitts. That's all I need to do. Sweat. Yeah. My week was good. I run the boardwalk in the mornings. That's all I did. 
Yeah. I'm done. The week of the fight, I was there Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday. The, the training's done. I don't need a gym to show and show off the way you've seen him doing all the dance, showing off the dance. Oh, yeah. dance. Like, I don't need to do all that stuff. Yeah. Ready? And then they, I remember this, the Sky TV guys, around my wife's leaving me. Yeah. The Sky TV guys were saying, oh, McCulloch, there's you know, rumors he's not been training. That's a stupid question. Yeah. Me not training? No. <laughs> I don't know anything about <laughs> If I had a, a four by four space, I could I could shadow box and that jump rope on I could do everything in yeah. push up setups, that's all I need. And I've always did that. But see, I had the I had them all believe I wasn't training. I mean, and then ding ding, Michael Flatley flew over to see me and he walked, he was actually my entourage walking into the ring. And um, it was a great night. I thought I I truly thought I, I chased him out of the ring. I mean, you get yeah. I can even win a fight by run away, and I'm I'm doing this about four or five times. One, Constantly, yeah. You were and constantly in his face. He caught he caught you some nice shots, but a lot of times when I was watching it, you were always the at the end of the exchange. You would catch him so often. Yeah. So you were. And I him said back. to him, I said to him, Jim. I said, and the president. Only thing I said to him because I didn't want to. Charles said, "Don't speak." He's got blah, blah, blah. I just said, I looked him straight in the eye and I said, "As soon as you hit me, you're gonna run." That's all I said to him. I'm gonna knock you. I'm gonna do this. I'm like you're gonna run. Yeah. I just straight in the eyes and just. He didn't run. Yeah, he didn't knock you out again. Like that, and you, might, you see me, I was like, like this here, let's say, okay. He's used yeah. to hitting people like that, bump, and, and they go down. Over. And what do you do to somebody who doesn't fall over? Exactly. But I always look at that fight, Wayne, and I always think to myself, Barrera, two years later or three years later, you, set, you set the blueprint. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think after that, that was the peak of Nas, was right before then. And yeah. It was now to me after that fight, Nas was never the same. Whether I don't know oh, what, no. what it was, you just showed well, me a that little bit that you could take a shot. I take, I'm not saying, but even the morality, I take something from people. I yeah, know I did. Like, make them, I push them to the extreme they're not being used to push to. You know, Morales is fighting for, for life, and, and I made run and run. Yeah, I say the night, the night before I fought, I was doing the commentary with Sky right at the ring, and Barra came straight out. And give me a hug. Yeah. I mean, I know what he meant. Yeah. A lot of respect there. Yeah. That night, even the only one, I thought he won clearly. Yeah. One just got it by one round. Is that right? 15, no. one, 15, one, 13. Wow. Which one round makes it a draw. Then the other one's 16, 12, zebra round to four. So one or two rounds can make it a draw. It wasn't even close. No, it wasn't. No. You know what I mean? And then you see the scorecard in my fight with Hamid. One just give me two. One give me three and one give me four. It's disgraceful. Yeah, it is. My dad, I always remember my dad. We actually watched it at a neighbor's house and my dad was adamant you won the fight and the neighbor was, oh, no, no. And my dad, I'm telling you now, we ain't won that fight. I, and you know what? I've had a person the other day said it. People keep keep saying it. But that's, that's keep, brilliant. That's a problem. All these years later, they're still saying, how did you, how did you lose that fight? How can you, they can see. But when you listen to the, you listen to the commentators, the HBO commentators, Sky, they can influence you to how yeah. win. Yeah. But if you're a boxing person who knows stuff, yeah. The sound at least, at least be like, a split decision or something. When you hear the scores, it's like, what a Yeah, what a, yeah. And they say, I have Frank Warner, I've got Frank Warner on, on the whole, did the whole build up and stuff like that and have the cameras all around you all the time. And Frank Warren is on video saying, Wayne McCulloch is going to get a rematch. He deserves it. He fought way past what we thought he was going to fight past. Hamid left him. And he left Brendan Ingle, the coach as well. That's right, yes. Both guys, 
But after that fight, Wayne, your stock had risen again. It was obviously very high anyway, but in defeat to that, I mean, within the next year, 1989, which you mentioned there a little bit about Morales, you went straight in, moving back down to Super Bantamweight and facing yet yeah. again the number one in the weight, Eric Morales. I mean, what a fight that was again. Yeah. A very close fight. Like, scorecards, I feel, were far too wide. You know, again, tell me about that because uh, Morales is one of my favourites. Uh, amazing fighter. I love Morales had a fan of him, but... After the Hamid fight, as you said, my stack rose. Like I was, say, come off gold, Olympic silver, world championship. Everywhere you go, people know you. I swear to God, I went home. I was home for a month. It was um over Christmas, so I was I was October, so I waited till like December on home. I couldn't believe it. I really, everywhere I went, like everywhere I went, it was Christmas shopping and stuff. I've never seen as many people like come over for. Oh, back then, they get a little piece of paper. There was no different. We had cameras and stuff a lot easier. We autographed. And it was Christmas, and my wife and my daughter was only like, she's a kid, she's a baby, six months. But my wife loves the Christmas shopping back home, man. But yeah. I came to the part where I was going out the shopping in the whatever, Castle Court or whatever. And I'd be, I, I'm a, I stood there for an hour. I stand to sign autographs, whatever. I don't, I wouldn't, the last person has their autograph. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And my wife got the point where she, she could go and do her shopping. <laughs> I'm standing there. My brother-in-law is six foot two. He was standing with me or something like that. So it was okay, protected that way. But there was never any, there was never any assholes anyway. No, but it's great that the fans showed you so much, you know, in the Every single day I was saying autographs right up till I left. And I just thought, it's amazing how the people do support you. Yeah. And that's on four o'clock in the morning, I mean, or three or five. But that's why I thought the rematch would have been massive either in Ireland or England, it would have been massive. Because I, I was a big, I, was, I had a big problem over here because I was based here. Mm-hmm. And he said, the fight, he had no, no fan, they were all my fans. Even the yeah. English guys in the boardwalk said they were here to support me. But it should have happened, it never happened. Yeah. And then, of course, I said, I, for almost a year, I got, I, got a, I got a spider bite in my hand. I hate spider. I got a spider bite here, my hand swelled up like this. So they had to slice it open and now that the Action, stuff yeah. did. And then, they, then I was at a, believe it or not, I was at a drive-in movie theater here. And it was warm, you sit outside. And all of a sudden, a dust storm came up. Scratched my cornea. Oh, God. And I've never felt like a bad luck. Go to Dockies. I'm like, what? And then in sparring, one of my sparring partners punched me in the back. And I could hardly walk. So I had three strikes against me. So the fight, that fight was was called off and, and top rank Bob Arum promised me I would get he fought Morales fought that night he didn't look that good right but he won and then we were set again for October of 99 well it's good that they at least kept the promise of giving you the yeah, fight well, I, I, I got one fight in between I fought a fight at the Hard Rock Hotel which is now the Virgin Hotel I fought there in um, I think it was the end of, end of August because I, I need to get I need to get some work in mm-hmm it would have been for Morales. Right. Yeah. Ed Morales. Yeah, and I was sharp. I was training. I wanted to get a fight in against, not against a world beater. I needed somebody to get, let me take me eight, 10 rounds. And I fought a guy called Ed Martinez. And then he, he actually fought the week before and won. So maybe a small guy, but I remember my um, Dan Gerson, he's dead now. He was one of my promoters with Matt Tinley. And, and I like, sort of like, if I take the fight, this fight, I'm not fighting Morales. I'm like, I need this fight. Mm-hmm. I need this fight. 
and they were, and then they told Bob Brown I was looking for more money for the wrong side. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, you want to go done. and win. You don't. You want to go no, and we, yourself we justice. Was, I thought Le Martinez went ten rounds. Want to be wrong? You know, he's my he's my another one who's my good friend to this day as well. Yeah. You have a lot of friends. You know? it's, it's great. But the, the opponents you fight with your friends. Yeah. I mean, the opponent for life, and say, I want to be wrong. You know, it didn't stop him, but it. It's almost like I'm not saying they want to stop, but I was trying to get the rounds in, you know, yeah. and I wasn't getting any punishment. And then I was sharp as a tack for, for Morales, but they say they tried to put the fight off because I was asking for much more money. I was, that's what Bob Arm was told. Mm-hmm. We went down to Bob Arm's office because I knew him. Me and my wife sat there and he called up Bruce on the phone. This is funny. He called up Bruce on the phone while we we're sitting there and talked about it. He didn't know we were sitting there. Right. So you really. Yeah, so, so, Wayne McCulloch's looking for my money, this, that, and that. so much more is he looking for? And Dan's like, yeah, you know, he's looking for this. And, and I said, hey, Dan, I'm not looking for my money. And he's like, oh, Bob, yeah, no, yeah, yeah the fight just the fight's going ahead. Hang up. <laughs> he did, that's what happened. Oh, God. But I, but I, I love the Bob Martin did it for me. Yeah, would, sign- he, would he have put that money in his own back pocket, I wonder? Would he have even told you if he got oh, that bit extra? <laughs> He was him and him and him and my tending were together. See, the money I was making, I know they were making three times what I was making. So I know that was another ploy to get more money. More money. Right, okay. They made Friday got a half a million. Wasn't right. the biggest pay in my life. But I got more in Japan and I got more against Saudi Arabia. Right. So it was my third biggest payday. And then for the Morales Friday I got three hundred thousand. Okay. Early. So but yeah. say that it wasn't but they were trying to get they for see for the handmade fight, they got well that's what I I was told. They got two hundred and fifty thousand just for me to fight for that for Frank Warren. That's doing nothing. Taking that out of the fighter's pocket, like that's awful. I contract stated I, I get tickets for my manager. My, I was my, I had a new manager then, but Charles was my new manager, and my lawyer was my co-manager. And she never got a ticket in the fight. Ridiculous. The, the media people who I knew brought her in on the media credential. I'm like, I didn't get it. She never told me before the fight because she okay. knew what it's it was. not to annoy you, of course, yeah. And Matt Tenley and Dan Grace, when you watch the fight, they're sitting right up in the front. Yeah, I made sure they were sorted. Yeah. Well, but listen, wife, if we can, if we can get to the Morales fight, because I just I want to get through because there's so many amazing yeah. fights. Um, how good was did you find Morales when you were in the ring? Obviously, you competed so well against them. And what I love about that fight is he catches you a couple of big shots. I think there's a, an uppercut in the second round. <laughs> he catches you, and yeah, then you was, dance on the spot. It was an uppercut. It was a one, two. Boom, every yeah. shot, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like this, turn like this. You, and I, you, you jogged on the spot and came right back at him. I mean, who I, does that? I chased after him and I, I was yelling at him, hit me harder. I did. I yelled at him, hit me harder. Because he, the first round, he watched the first round, he tries the 14 back. If you listen to the, the corner and the first round, they said, don't go forward, back off, back off, box, 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 box. But the second round, he came out and tried to do it again, tried to bump. And then they started moving, moving around, using his reach and jab. And I say another guy who's my good friend. I say he said he said he was going. He, would, he said he would do an exhibition fight with me actually, but he right. had to lose a bit. Of, had to lose a bit of weight first. Okay. <laughs> he hit he hit me so hard. He hit me so hard. He had the electricity on your left side. Really. He, and it's either he had he had nine knockers. So it's either when he hits you, you fall over, but like oh I'm not taking this, or be crazy like me and me. And Morales calls me. He called me in a local. A local is that local. what he says? Because you just pushed him back. And the one thing yeah, about watching the fight, back and forced him. And you know what? Hard everybody, sorry, everybody this day, he hit hard. Everybody this day, 
they watch that fight. That's the type of fight they're going to watch forever. That's amazing. And people watch it and they're saying, you are unbelievable that fight. I said, you watch it today. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then, but you lo- I lost. I, and they're like, you lost? I'm like, I said, I truly believe in my mind. I lost. Yeah. I truly, I lost it. I think it's a two round fight. Yeah. Seven, I, five, something like that. Yeah. I think two of the judges scored it like, Again, ridiculous. The score, some of the scores off. Um, we could have fought a rematch. We didn't get a rematch yet. Not either. He, he fought Burrow right after that and beat Burrow. Yeah. But not the featherweight, actually. But yeah. that was his last fight there, I think, at, at Super Bowl. And I say, that was, I was, uh, they kept me in number one. When he moved up, they kept me number one. Yeah. Because of my performance, because they knew the yeah. performance. And the same, to this day, Morales has hit me hard in the first round, in the 12th round. He still hit me just as hard. Is that right? Okay. But he never, he never, he never faced me like the way I got to myself when Rabban Alice had me at my feet. It's because I'm more experienced. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the lot of time I'm getting the guess, it throws shot and I would get to this, get under, get yeah, low, right body head. And I was, I knew how to take the impact off him. I'm like, the people see the clean shot and think, oh, I took them shots clean, but I didn't take six or seven in a row. Blah, 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 blah. No. So, but Morales, hell, like legend. Yeah. Fighter. Another Hall of Fame fighter you fought. You know what? from last year put us so we had to say that I was the best Irish fighter the last 30 years because I fought the best in three divisions. Which I did. I fought I fought Yagashi was number one in the ring magazine, Morales number one in the ring magazine, and Hamebe number one. Yeah. And win or lose is still that's I want to be known for the guy who fought everybody. And, and you did, I did when you fought everybody. That's why everyone loves hey, you. Lose like like Hame or like um Muhammad Ali, win or lose, five losses, he avenged three of them. And then he said he had the last two losses of Muhammad Ali's career was at the end of his career. So yeah. having a lost record doesn't mean you're a bad, you're, no, you're a terrible no. Oh, you're not the best fighter. I did have seven losses, but there is three of them are controversial. Exactly. But after that fight, then we ended, because we've only got a little bit of time left, um, year 2000, obviously there was a the brain scan that you'd failed over at the British Boxing Board of Control, I think, was it? Um, yeah. You were out of the ring then for nearly two years. Talk to us a little bit about that, just about obviously finding that out and how mentally it was to try and come to terms with thinking that was your career done at that stage. My heavyweight. Right. Um, no, the, I think that that was a year, one year after Morales. I hadn't yeah. fought. You know, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't fight because after the performance against Morales. Yeah, you would think of the opportunities. Kept me out of the ring. Kept me out of the ring. Why? And I was no, I was number one contender. You know, can I say Morales had moved up and number one contender? So I went, I went, I got a fight in Belfast schedule. Go to Belfast for two weeks. Did the like two weeks of like camp over there. And then I um did the brain scan on the I think it was October 12th. I did a brain scan in the hospital of the I think it was the Royal Hospital. Did the brain scan. Trained 15, 16, 17, 18. Get a call from the, the promoter of who was in the car saying, kept a culture about four or five times to say, you need to come to his gym, you need to come to his gym. But I, it was the last day of training. My weight was down, the one I guess done 10 or done. I was fighting, I think we were fighting a featherweight. So it was good and strong. We didn't want to get something to eat. And then we stopped down in the car and Chuck gets out. And then all of a sudden she's coming back with the promoter and they're, I knew there was something wrong there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sure, why not? It was only um, like two or something, two in the car. But the promoter um, said, Well, you can't fight on Friday night. Um, 
one punch to the head can kill you. Your career is over. That's why you put it. I'm sitting against, I was sitting there thinking of being punk or something. Like, yeah. being, I didn't know what it was. I, was I, I believed it, but I didn't believe it. And then I'm like, what? And then I remember Cheryl went on there too. And I started crying or something. Didn't know what it was. Yeah. But it was a weird night. But then Cheryl called up my manager. She called up the, the commission here in Vegas, Mark Ratner, who was the top guy at the time. The first thing he said to the churl was, is we okay? He didn't care about my fighting career. He cared about the person on me. Well, that's nice, yeah. Good person. We're back home and being treated like garbage. You know what I mean? And see, we went down to, Matt Tenley said, we're down for a second opinion in Dublin the next day. So I think it was the 19th. We're down to Dublin, drove down that morning, got a neurosurgeon to take do the scans. Three, three guys cleared me. Really? I didn't see any scans from Belfast yet. I haven't seen a scan. But three doctors cleared me and took the time to sit with me. Go back to Belfast with the scans and went, went to Wayne and threw the reports down on the desk. And the doctor who was with the British Board doctor, he, he resigned after that. He was only a GP doctor. He wasn't even a doctor. He was a neurosurgeon. Right. And, we, and uh, we had seen the, neuro, the, the cardiologist, whatever it was, the guy in, in the Royal Hospital who took it. We went down there with my lawyer. To see him, but he wasn't a neurosurgeon. He wasn't qualified to know over there. He just seemed seen a little spack or whatever. We have to flag a little bit, but there was no, he had to get a neurosurgeon to look at it. Well, I came back from Dublin with three neurosurgeons. They cleared me and said I had a, an arachnoid space in my head, which I was born with it. They mm -hmm. called it a cyst, but it's like a space, whatever, but there's no dangers to boxing. But as I say, Belfast. The doctor, the doctor's because I was like, I can't read them. And then he actually let me, they let me weigh in. They called my waiter. They let me weigh in for the fight. Why would they do that? That's bizarre. If they were not going to let you type, why, why put you through that? They weighed me in. If you look back, they weighed me in. Still, my weight was still good. Weighed in. The other guy still thought he'd fight me. Face, face off. But they had, somebody had in their mind. They said the reports went to, to London. The British Board of Control, Simon Block was the head guy, uh, and their doctor was a, a guy from Oxford or something. And he was supposed to see him and said something, but he didn't because the whole point was the reports were hidden for 13 months, 13 months before I got to see the reports. And they still they still said my curve is over, I couldn't fight, took my license off me. My number one spot in the WBC, I was number one contender. Next fight after this, the World Championship. Didn't get paid for the fight. And then for some reason to this day, I still, I still, I still don't know. It's still, I still, it's a bad time in your life, don't I? It, yeah, of course, I'm sure. Although they, although they, um, I see the doctors uh, said that you're, it's an arachnoid cyst and stuff, whatever. You still believe it's going to happen to you. You still believe you're going to die with the head. Yeah. And I got, I did get help with it. I got help. It was going, it was going crazy. No. And uh, just, I got help and I sort of believed that. They didn't fight again until um, January of 2002. Yeah, that's right. So you, you had three comeback fights, I think. We yeah, I said 27 for the ring, but the Nevada State Athletic Commission, the first thing they did when I came back here, as I say, they were more concerned about me, not about my fighting career. Mm -hmm. They sent me down to UCLA in California and I went to see, at that point, one of the top doctors in the world. Now, he's, now he is the best doctor in the world. And when I walked into him, the first thing he said to me before he even looked at anything, 
He said, whoever told you they're going to die with a blow of the head and eat their head like that? So he knew it was cyst with everybody, and he did the whole, all these different scans. I had an arachnoid space here. He said it's like a insignificant. You were born with it, probably, because it was the scans that the, the doctor in Belfast took of me when I turned pro in 1983, when I fought in Belfast. They did the same scan on the same hospital. And the scan was exactly the same as the scan was in 93 and was in 2000. The same thing showed up and nothing was... It hasn't changed. Same thing that says it looks like it was born with it. But for some reason, as I say, I hadn't got my license back. And Simon Block was over here for, I think it was Lennox Lewis was fighting. The man lay there, big fight. And I was trying to get my license. He wouldn't give it to me. I was like, I went to UCLA, got my license back cleared here, got my license. Didn't fight yet. But then... I say the Simon Block was here and I walked up to him and I said, what's going on with my license? You guys don't even respond and blah, blah, blah. And he stood and said, you will never have a license. He said that to you, right? Okay. Bunch a bunch of 10 people as well. And I said to him, we'll see about that. I already got, my lawyer was in the background checking things out about the British Board of Control. They sold, a, they were selling their premises in London and going to Wales. They knew they got sued by, I think it was the guy that fought, the guy, Michael. Michael, Michael Watson. He sued him for yeah. a couple of million, so the, yeah. Now the British Board of Control are not going to be in England anymore. They're going to be in okay. And I said to him, I said, he said, that's not true. I said, isn't that? And then, of course, the next week they moved to Wales. Right. I, my, my lawyer was like a private investigator. Right, okay. <laughs> they didn't know what they're up against. They could have filed a lawsuit, but then it would sit there for another three years, four years. Right. You know what I mean? But next Monday. You eventually got back in the ring anyway, which was. Next, but next Monday I have my license back. Yeah, brilliant. And I was actually there, Wayne, um, the night you fought in the Maze Field. I was there. I, I watched that fight. Um, I remember that was like your homecoming. You'd fought a couple of fights in one. And I remember a great wee atmosphere. Neil Sinclair, I think, fought for the British title on your other court. And it was amazing. It was really, really good. Yeah. And I actually I actually met you after that fight. You probably wouldn't really? remember this. In the Europa Hotel. Um, no, I was, you know, I was about 18 or 19. I'm a lot older than I look. <laughs> So I was about 18 or 19 and I was with uh, my uncle Eamon and my dad and we met you up in the, the Europa and I remember being a bit starstruck when I met you but it was a great atmosphere. It was a great atmosphere, it was good. Good, good. The, I say walking in there just felt relief, don't I? Yeah. I, I had a fight over here. I won by stoppage. I was on the Casimir Fritas card, I think it was. And then I fought another fight. I told Frank, Frank same with Frank Warren. Mm -hmm. And I said I wanted to fight two fights back to back six weeks apart. And they gave me one in London, I fought in London, then I fought the one in Belfast. Yeah. And I stayed with him. I wanted to fight, of course, in Dublin after that, but then he got the Scott Harrison fight. Yeah. And Scott but, Harrison, I mean, we'll talk about that briefly. Scott Harrison in that fight, I don't know how he made nine stone. He just looks enormous. He just, he was, he was a big guy, but compared to you, the yeah, we both went in, on the night. we both went in um, 125 and three quarter pounds, just nine stone, or sorry, eight stone, 13. He's laughing because I'm saying stone compound. He's like, what's yeah. <laughs> The metric system. He's stone 13 and a half. And he, um, he looked like death warmed up. Right. And then the next day he steps in the ring and looked at him and I thought. He looked like a monster. His brother or something. I thought it was his brother or something. He was like this. Jeez, he was. But as I say, I had it. we'll talk about that. Whatever. Yeah. But such a brave That's performance. Such a brave performance you put up in that fight, William. Because I, I, I stepped in the ring and I was... um. Nine stone one or two of them. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, two of them. Was, by the way, it wasn't in my big weight. I was no. so bad to me. 
And you were fighting probably the biggest featherweight out there, so it was. He he walked. He walked. Somebody had told me at about one forty-seven. Wow. And I mean, in that fight, you know, you you take you took a lot of shots, obviously, but behind the ear, you were quite badly swollen and stuff. He kept the press came down. We said he was was deliberately trying to insert it love in my ear. My ear bent up. Yeah, but he, he still couldn't hurt. stop you. He couldn't put you down. He couldn't stop he you. Never hurt. Never hurt me. Any, any, and I remember my Frank Warren was telling my wife to stop the fight. They were sitting in the front here, and 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 she looked up at me every time and said, "You can." I'm like, I mean, I if I said this, then she'd have stopped it. Yeah, of course, no. But I, I wasn't even marked up. No. And I told him I was chipping away at him, chipping away at him, chipping away at him. He's getting busted up and didn't even move. No. And then say afterwards. No, he won the fight, but I the guy was so big and I say he got investigated for stories, I think, as well. After yeah, there's the, there's a lot of stuff thing, things after like, after. But the same as, as say Scott, I met Scott when he came over here for a yeah. fight. Yeah. Another friend. Get another friend and get those gloves signed. <laughs> That's the collection. Get that glove sign and really yeah. get that glove. And I mean that that we and that wasn't the end of the world title fights because I know we've only got a little bit of time left, but you know, even no, a year or so on from that, um, you then went back down to Super Bantamweight and you fought um, Oscar Larios in two fights. Yeah, the first one, again, very, very close. To this day, say, they, they, everybody had to win except for the judges. It's yeah. hard to beat, hard to beat a Delaware fighter in California. Mm-hmm. Oscar Larios is a great fighter, but the referee that night said I won the fight. Right. He said I won the fight. Bernard Hopkins, I met Bernard Hopkins is a, is a is Del Hoy's co promoter together, mm-hmm. Golden Boy Promotions. A few months later at the at the Boxing Sports Radio Center, I think it was Monday Bay. He came over to us and he said, You beat our guy, you won that fight, you deserve a rematch, you won that fight, you won Oscar stand like this here, like you should be doing that. You should be doing but that. Said, he said you beat our guy. I should have got the yeah, and I take credit for that. They did at least Larry Os gave you a rematch because he's the only one to give you a rematch out of all the times you fought. Matching and say, I thought I was doing pretty well in the fight, and then bombing in. That's another story too. It's a big story that Freddie Freddie did to me. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, I can talk briefly about it. the the second fight against Larry Os. I watched that again early hours of the morning, and it was heartbreaking to see the way it ended because obviously the because fight was your way. There was two rounds. I want to go to the fight of that if that wobbled or it dropped. No. And say I didn't have a mark on me. And you were he talking so clearly, the doctor, you were he, saying. He was, he, he was cut here by, by a headbutt. He was cut here by a punch. Mm-hmm. We've got two rounds. Richard Steele, the referee, I know him personally. I played golf with him. <laughs> but what happens in the two rounds? I opened that cut more and spice that. I know. You were just and asking said, for it, that two it, opportunity. It, round, Freddie kept saying, even in the first fight with Larius, which everybody thought I won. I come back to the corner and Freddie's like, if you keep getting him, I want to stop the fight. I'm like, what? So even Second him fight, saying that, do you think him saying going, that going maybe... the tenth round, Yeah, going into the 10th round is already set. I, I threw 80 some punches. Come back to the corner and I see the doctor's getting up, Dr. Goodman, I know her right. personally. And I was like, I'm going to stop. I said, what? And you see me stand like this. Oh, yes, yeah. I, You're pleading with her. She came over and looked at, she came over and checked my eyes. And my lawyer came down, Stuart Campbell, my co-manager. And if you look at my eyes, why, why are you looking at my eyes to see if I'm clear? Right? So if I'm clear, what do you let me do, fight? Yeah. If I'm not clear, you don't let me fight. Stuart said to her, you looked in his eyes, so was he, was he gone? No, he was clear. 
And she was like, well, why are you looking at his eyes in? And why are you going to stop the fight? She, at that time in the ring, I'm arguing with her. I didn't know until six months after the fight, who stopped the fight. My book, if you read my book, I blame her. Yeah. Margaret, I've since, when I found out who it was, I since apologized to her face to face. I journaled six, Kevin Ioli, six months after. And Freddie and Jess from that night said he wanted me to come down to the LA as a system, which is a little lies. But um, six months later, I get a call from Kevin Ioli. said, oh, I just did an interview with Freddie about something. And he, and he brought your name up and said he stopped the fight. And I'm like, he didn't stop the fight. I said, you got my book. I said, hey, Margaret stopped it. He said, no, he told Margaret between rounds. Right. The fight already predetermined to stop, to be stopped. And then he, and I say, I contacted Freddie. Back then it was by, by fax, 2005. And I just wrote, why did you stop the fight? He spent three days in training camp with me. I never told anybody I spent three days here. He disappeared. I spent three days. That's all I had in three days. Really? Didn't look at the first fight. Didn't change anything. I would. I was trying to be smart in the first couple of rounds, and then boom, boom, boom. But I wasn't hurt. I should have continued. Yeah. But Freddie, as I say, then when I sent him the facts to say, then he sent sent the facts back. I've never put this. I've never put this out there yet. And I, yeah. like I still got that paper. He said I was taking too many punches. I didn't throw a punch in the tenth round. Well, I did. I threw. I threw eighty some punches. I counted myself. Yeah. And and that round after that round was over his corner. If you listen to it. Told him to back off the next two rounds. Been too strong for him. Back off, back off. Just win the rounds. So I wasn't going to get knocked out. No. But also, you're, you're Freddy, praying. Freddy, you Freddy, when you meet Freddie right now, this is probably the first time I'm sending him. Freddie said the reason why he stopped the fight because he's seen signs of Parkinson's. In you? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, right. That was in 2005. He, he has Parkinson's. So yeah. I must be, I must be the, the miracle man. Because eighteen years later, you're still, still stuck. <laughs> and and the funny thing about it is, two months before that, before Freddie, the letter came through, the facts came through. I went back to the doctor in the, in the UCLI because I, I went back to him for regular scans to make sure I was okay because I want to be around my mind when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And he cleared me, and the thing was top, top. He did all the tests and stuff. And, and then somebody somebody stole the dart at you like that, saying you're, you had signed the parties in the ring. No, he shouldn't. He shouldn't be saying that. There, you know, but no one has even gone through that. That's, that's and the same thing. Just like you said in the dressing room, when everybody was around the dressing room, my friends, the close people to me, were like, "Why did she stop the fight? Why did she stop the fight?" We're still puzzled. Right. So he, he was said, playing along like he didn't know he why. Sitting in the corner like this. Right. Be a man about it and step up and say, "I told you to stop the fight." Right. Okay. But he didn't he didn't do that? No. But they, listen, and, then, and, the, and sorry, and the and the training game is coach. The coach, co-coach is also like cop out lie, right? Because I'm never been as assistant coach. No, so that offer never came. It came true. Never, it, was just, it was just for, just words. It was false words given to me just to try to calm the moment down. Yeah. And, and so listen, when after that, that was your last world title fight. Um, then you came back. Was it maybe two or three years later for your very last fight? Um, well, looking back, was that a mistake to have that last fight, or how yeah, did you feel about that? A week before, I was on the, the bench in the doctor's office. I couldn't; my back was gone. My somebody had punched me in the back again. People like to punch me in the back. I don't know why. Right. Well, they couldn't do it to your chin. They couldn't stop it your chin. So, but I couldn't move. I was laying table against and Goose, the guy I talked about. I loved, I loved Goose, but at the same time. 
I said to him, Dan, I want a doctor's table that I can't fight next week. He's like, this is your last chance, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you get, you're going to be there or not? So I was in the Grand Cayman. So I, I, I stupidly enough said yes to it. I, I was, my back was taped up until I left and went to the ring. I had about over 2,000 micrograms of pills in my mouth. So it was high getting the ring probably. Nice. And I don't remember anything. I was winning the fight. But you were winning the fight in the scorecards? It moving. I said it was for the NBFL. But I realized when I got there why Dan said that because it was sold out with all the English and Irish people. All right. So there was money and to be Andrew, made. Andrew, Andrew Ward was the main event that night and he was up and coming. But right. it was all our English people sold out. And I'm thinking, yeah. wow, me being, a, me, me being a big guy where I was. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm loyal. It was mm-hmm. a stupid fight to take. I mean, don't take anyone on a race. He's a good guy. And he had a good record at that time. Yeah. But I'm not taking any, I don't take anyone from the fighters. It's not their fault. No. My well, fault. Well, just, before, just to wrap up, I mean, since uh, you boxed retirement, obviously, you, you seem happy. You seem content. You're, you're, you you're, you're, well, are you say retirement? I was about to say, I've heard rumors of uh, exhibitions. I think Carl Frampton mentioned stuff on the podcast I heard a while ago and stuff. That is just where I got flashbacks and ring. <laughs> no, I said that Carl. that we desire. I was told Carl about two years ago, just, just after he retired, about let's do an exhibition for the band. Mm-hmm. I'm the old school, he's a modern day. You know, he said about, you know, he's just retired, he didn't want to do it right away. But I, I said yeah. to him, I said, but Muhammad Ali did them while he was still fighting. Mm-hmm. Ali did exhibition when he was still, he was still actively fighting. But I understand it, but, you know, I think it'd be a good thing. Yeah, like I said. And obviously, you're, you're... Today, um, Jorge Arce, you know, Roy Jones and Mike Tyson have done it. Yeah, that's and it. Just, and you're, there's a, if there's an audience for it, you know, and obviously it's... Uh, I it's, think it's, it's, it's come love. Yeah, and I see. I'm ready, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you're you're coaching fighters yourself, obviously. Yeah, you're still still in great shape. Still in great shape. You can see that. <laughs> Put us all to shame. Um, but yeah, recently you were in the corner for was it Jason Quigley? I've seen and stuff. So you're still involved around different fighters, and you're obviously okay. personal training and stuff. Uh, got fighters, some amateur fighters. Um, we had two two amateurs fight at the weekend in the Masters Division, thirty five and above. Right. You can fight for 35 up to whatever. If you're healthy at 70, you can still fight. There's not a fifth over 50s division because. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> there is. Oh, God. There was two. My, 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 one of my guys is 68 years old. And he just fought a guy and knocked him out in the first round. Must be something in the water over there in Vegas. I don't and then my, and Amanda, my other girl, was robbed from the, the USA box. And then, and then Bram, who works for NBC here, had his first fight one, his first fight two. Right. But it's great. You're still involved in the sport anyway, Wayne. You obviously still love it. It's uh, it's it's a part I, of you. I, I, I people, you know, it keep, keeps your mind going too. I mean, I see. Yeah. If I went away from boxing, what else would I do? I mean, yeah. Well, listen, Wayne, I, I, know, I, I know you're very busy. I know you're very busy and I don't want to take any more of your time. I, I just want to say a massive thank you for giving me so much of your time. I'm humbled and really, uh, I didn't expect for you to give me so much of your time. You're someone that, as a kid, I looked up to. You're one of my favorite I Irish fighters ever. So I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Stay in touch with me. You Absolutely. And uh, I'll stay in touch with you and I'll maybe... Uh, tell tell Noel I said hello and, and Eamon. Yeah, and I will. Patty. Patty. Patrick, I actually did a podcast I with was, Patrick. I was with him. Down, we fought together. We stayed together down in a bed and practice down in Dublin. Is that right? That's amazing. I'll tell him he'll be buzzing about that because he speaks so highly about you as well. I haven't forgot about him. I haven't forgot about that. Brilliant. We appreciate yeah. that, mate. All right. Yeah. All the best. Really good seeing you. Yeah. Take care, mate. Bye. Bye.
All right, so there you have it, everyone. That's the end of the Wayne McCulloch podcast. Um, yeah, massive privilege, as I say, uh, at the end there for me to speak to Wayne for as long as I did. I didn't think it was going to get as much time. Um, so we really were able to go into the career amateur and pro in a lot of detail, which is excellent. That's what I love doing is finding out all the details, you know, um, about the big fights, but also the stuff in between the training camps and making weight and, you know, the near misses and the fights that didn't happen and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, Wayne obviously went into a lot of detail there, which, um, you know, I thought was fantastic. Um, yeah, Wayne as well, everyone uh, I've seen on Twitter there is getting involved with some, uh, you know, new talent coming through. Um, so hopefully more of the training um, and coaching coming up because I know that's something he's very passionate about as well. Um, when I was doing the podcast, we had to do it actually in a couple of sittings because, um, he was uh, having people coming into his gym at his home, and he was doing private, uh, you know, classes and stuff. So he obviously still has the bud, or buzz, sorry, for the sport, which is amazing. So uh, you know, hopefully he gets some uh, more boxers coming through, and he can, you know, turn them into champions like he was himself. Uh, yeah. So going forward, everyone got a couple more podcasts lined up over the next couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll try and get out as many of these as I possibly can, and uh, you know, any ex-fighters and trainers and stuff i suppose if you're wanting your story maybe uh to be documented and put out there for everyone you know you know and uh i would say to you to maybe get in contact with me send me a message private message or whatever um because obviously i can contact people but if people are you know willing to do it from the start you can let me know and you know if i can uh, facilitate it i will because i do enjoy getting these stories put out there so yeah we'll see what happens going forward everyone so i hope you tune in next time all the best